We're wired. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter number one. We'll try to give you what you, uh, what the Lord has given us for this service. Thankful for what your pastor means to us and the friendship that he's uh, given us over these uh, last few years that the Lord has allowed us uh, to know him. Psalms chapter number one, if you found your place, I'll invite you to stand with me uh, if you're able. And we'll read just these short uh, six verses. It says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but like are, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. My Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for another opportunity to be here at your house. Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight. I pray that you would bless the reading of your word as you have in days gone by. I pray that you would fill us with a new and fill us with a fresh. And Lord, I pray that you would help these people here tonight. Bless each one of them for being here. We love you and we thank you. In the name we do pray. Amen. We begin here, this passage of scripture I'll bring to your notice. We uh, see the word here, blessed, that is starting out. And if you uh, caught there in verse number 6, we see the word perish. And we are standing in Psalms chapter number 1 between being, a ble- being blessed and perishing. And that is, the, that is the day in which we are living in. And it, but it begins this Psalms with an interesting thought. He says, blessed is the man. So he, and then he lays down this, uh, this, this path of the blessed man. And it almost starts with the power of negative thinking. And one thing that he does not do here, we find no sugarcoating, and that is what we need in our day. The psalmist opens up this word with this bless, and this, if you look this up, it means to just simply be happy, happy. So we see here he is giving the idea of the joy of the Christian life that only comes by Jesus Christ. And can I say that it is sure good to be saved. People say it, uh, it salvation is not feelings, and it is not based on feelings. But I'll attest to this day that it is a good it feels good to be saved. In the eyes of man, we count and consider a man blessed based on his financial status, the cars that he drives, the homes that he lives in or owns, the land that he has, the family, and all these different things. Uh, but we better watch ourselves if we're not careful. And I made an, a mention to uh, Anna yesterday. I said, you've got to watch yourself, and we've all got to watch ourselves with this social media. A platform. Everybody will post of what they're doing with their spouse and what what kind of vehicle they're driving and what they're doing for work and all these different things. And I said, if you're not careful, we'll get so we'll get our eyes fixed on what everybody else is doing, and we'll we'll find ourselves miserable because of everybody else around us. Social media is such a liar. The death rates you can look up the death rates since Facebook came around somewhere around 2008. It would blow your mind. But we better watch ourselves. And the Bible tells us that we ought to keep ourselves from idols. But watch yourself on these things. That is the blessings of possessions. But Psalms chapter number 1 lays it clear. We are first blessed by our position in the Lord. He says it's not by rich or poor. It's not by white or black. It is, And I know and I was... And I've been thinking on this for some time. It is some of the most defeated and burnt out and depressed individuals that I have ever met are some of the richest individuals that I've ever met. 
There's nothing wrong with having money. It's when money has you and all these different things. But the individuals that have had it all, that seemingly had it all, the money in the bank, the houses, the land, they're not happy. He lays it right here in verse number, uh, society can't figure out what it means to be happy and what it means to be blessed. And we find this here, if we could just turn back to God's Word in our nation, we could understand what it means to be blessed. These two individuals are marked and re- recognized by the company they, fi- they keep. Who you hang around, you'll become. They are, keep, they are uh, marked by the companion that they allowed. The people that you allow in your life, and you, you do allow people into your life, whether you realize it or not, number one, they'll either encourage you or they'll discourage you. And then the conversations that they have, conversations that you allow into your life, they'll either lift you up or weigh you down. That's just how it is. So they're marked by these things and recognized. Oftentimes we'll say, may God bless you. And a man by the name of James Bennett, he was a Christian lawyer, he said this, never say God bless you to anyone. You really have not, no right to do this. When, what you and I should say is, may you be found in a place God can bless you. People are, are wanting the blessings of God and they're praying out the blessings of God in a place where God can't bless them. The psalmist said, the blessed man here, uh, we're going to look at his path here for just a minute. He does not listen to the ungodly man. He does not listen to his counsel. He doesn't listen uh, to the path that he takes. And if we, uh, who, you, who you hang around is who you'll become. Sometimes I'll hang around people that are successful in different fields and area and you'll, you'll hang around them for a little while and then you'll, you'll get encouraged by somebody at church and it seems like if you're not careful you'll have an imbalance of life and you'll be encouraged and you'll be pulled by this one. And you'll, I was speaking to a man just a few weeks ago and he was telling me about he was, a, uh, he, he, was a, he was in the medical field and they're just handing out money. It's just printed money that they've been handing out all this time. He said, but all these people that I work around, they're talking about putting away in the 401ks and retirement and investing. He said, if I'm not careful, I will get so caught up in, 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 in temporal things and putting away and stashing away. And I don't think it's alright to do that, but we still have to be mindful that we are not living here forever. The people that you hang around have more influence on you than you realize. So we see that he does not listen to the ungodly man. He does not linger with the sinful man. And we know that the path that that will have have on your life. And then he does not laugh at the scornful man. One man said this. He said, the devil will promise you the finest things, but he won't tell you where you have to sit to enjoy them. It's interesting the way that this is laid out. He says that he uses this, he uses this word walking. And it's real practical when we know what it means to be walking. But Scripture uh, gives man over and over the idea of the pace that he's taken. The Bible tells us over again in different areas it relates the Christian life to walking. Paul said this a lot. He uses uh, those references a lot. But it tells us to run with patience. And that's what we're to be. And we're to be. Uh, people have an idea that the Christian life is a hundred yard dash. The Christian life is not a hundred yard dash. It is not a. It is not a burnout. It, it is not to be run and burn out. But it is to be consistent. And consistency is what the Lord is is looking for. And that's what He's interested in. The Bible talks about in Psalms twenty three to be He lead, to be led and He leadeth me. But a lot of people live their life on this. But the Lord isn't interested in consistency in your Christian life. That's what He wants out of us. The psalmist has evidently picked somebody out in his mind uh, that is living, that he's seen living and giving a life for the Lord. And I promise you that's the best life we'll ever give. We see three evidences that sin will take you farther than you want to go. 
and keep you longer than you want to stay. And we've heard this and cost you more than you want to pay. He says here, he uses this word, look here in the, in the Bible, this is, you can't make this stuff up. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the scene of the scornful. Now I want you to watch this pack here. What does he say first? He says he's walking. He isn't dried up. He isn't, he's not out of the, he's not knocked out. You can be discouraged and you can still be walking. And then he says, what is the next thing he says? He's standing. And if you're not careful, you'll get discouraged in the Christian life and you'll be walking and then somebody will get you discouraged and you'll just be standing and just say, well, I'm not going to give it my all. I've been hurt long enough. And I was speaking to an individual and he gave me some wisdom just a few weeks ago. He said there's three things that you can do when church hurt comes to you. He says, number one, some people it seems like there's, it pays no effect on them. They can just keep on moving. He says, and then there's those that they just, they just push, that first one they just push on for Jesus, it acts like no hurt doesn't affect them whatsoever. And then there's that next one that it seems like they hurt and they're kind of skittish and they, <coughs> they, they don't necessarily kick out. But they draw back and they say, well, I don't want to get hurt. I've been hurt before. It's kind of like a whoop dog. They, don't, they just draw back and they're skittish the rest of their life. And then there's that one that totally kicks out. See, you can be walking in the will of God and still be in service and, not, and, and then it becomes that standing and then there's that sitting. So he has a progression of walking and then he's standing, well, I don't really want to get hurt. And then he's a sitting. And before you know it, if you're not careful, you'll totally be out of the will of God if you, don't, you and I don't watch it. And then he gives another one here. He says this. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see, it, is, it starts with the ungodly crowd. And you'll allow the ungodly to come into your life and have an influence on you. And then it'll be the sinners that you'll lean to. And then if you're not careful, you'll allow the scornful to be part of your life. The people that you and I hang around and allow into our life has a great effect on who we become. You hang around, uh, if a man hangs around three or four millionaires, he'll become a millionaire before it's over with. Somebody successful, who you hang around, you will eventually become. And then he says this, here's another one. He says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So we see three progressions of sins in just these uh, probably 20 some odd words. He says the walk, to stand, to sit, the ungodly, the sinners, the scornful. But he says this, well, he says the counsel, the way, and then the state. So we could say here that he has the steps of, him, of that man and then he's standing and then he's sitting. If you don't take the first steps, you won't be guilty of this path of sin. It's a, somebody that's addicted to drugs, they had to take the, they had to take the first hit. Somebody that's addicted to alcohol, they had to take a first drink of alcohol. It always, it is always that first step <coughs> to sin. He doesn't give his heart to the sinner. He doesn't give his ear. And then he doesn't give his meditations to those that are without God. I want you to remember back, and I want you to take your memory back to this. Remember when Abraham stood in the way of sinners when he went down to Egypt to escape the famine in Canaan? Remember what he told, told Sarah? He said, not told Sarah, he said he, he, he told him that Sarah was his sister. You know what he did in, in standing in the way of sinners? He, not only that, but he lost his testimony in the process of it. 
take your mind back to this. A lot. He stood in the way of sinners when he listened to the king of Sodom rather than the king of Salem. And he went back to Sodom. You know what he did? He not only lost his testimony, but it cost him to lose his family. And then I want you to take back your mind to uh, Abraham when he, or not Abraham, but Peter when he stood in the way of sinners and he warmed himself by the, by the world's fire and he denied the Lord. He lost his testimony too. Turn me to the book of Matthew. The Lord has uh, brought this to my remembrance even this evening. Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter number 26, verse number 73. We know the story here that Peter is denying the Lord. And uh, it says, Now Peter sat, in verse number 69, Now Peter sat with, uh, within, without the, in the palace, and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him uh, that were with that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, and I do not know I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him that they that stood by him and said to Peter, Surely thou art thou art thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Man, what a testimony that is. And then Peter, just like just like all of us, he has to go and mess things up. This is what he said in verse number seventy four. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. See, they, they were looking at his life, and they were saying, you have got to be one of them. I've seen you with them. And over and over, somebody else said, I've seen you with them. Your life testifies of it. And, he, and it, it was a curse. And they said, well, he must be telling the truth. Surely that ain't a disciple. What did Peter do? He flat out lost his testimony in front of that crowd. He could have been a great influence. Though he, though he wasn't with the Lord, he could have had a place, a time to fix that in that moment. But he had to go and mess things up like we all do. So we see that the blessings of God are first found in the heart of man. Remember when Job lost it all and, he, and yet he still blessed the Lord. And this is one of the verses that has been on my heart today. A preacher preached on it and it blessed my heart. In Job chapter number 13 it says... Uh, it's talking about though they though thou slain me, I will maintain mine own ways before him. And that is a, such a great thing, and that's something that's encouraged me all throughout the day is that word maintain and just maintaining a Christian walk. And then it said uh, here in Job chapter number forty two, just one page over, it says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning, for he had fourteen thousand sheep and six thousand camels, and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she asses. So we see that the Lord, before it's ever found in your hand, the blessings of God are found in your hand. They'll be found in the heart of man. The world is confused by the things we do, do they? They're not. I was coming down the road and uh, we was down here. Is, it, is that a state park over here? Is that a state area where they dump in the river out over there? Whatever. Wildwife, okay. Anyways, all those people, there's people flying up the mountain about running you off the road trying to get down here tonight. And I was driving down the road and I told Anna, I said, what a life to live. And I don't think I really made any other comment other than that. You know, they're dumping in the river and they've, they've spent their day over here all day and they probably do it uh, in some forest, ever hugging some trees every weekend somewhere. But what a life to live. They look, and, the, and they look at us and they say, look at that, that crowd going to church, there goes Mountain Valley. Same cars, they drive by here, see it in the parking lot. People float down the river, they see it on a Sunday. 
and then they go back on Sunday night. What, what's up with that? They see us attend. They see us tithe. They see us serve. They see us read. They see us pray. They see the new life that God has put in us. They see us not partying. They see us not drinking. They're confused by the things that we do. But here this well, the world is concentrated by what we do not do. And that's what it's saying here in Psalm chapter number 1. When I got saved and God really done a change in my heart, I'd made a profession of faith. And you, uh, most of you heard my testimony, but... I went to work on, a, that was probably on a Thursday night, I believe it was, and I went to work on Friday morning, and I'd made this post on Facebook. I was just excited about being saved. The Bible tells us in Romans that if you, they're one of the fruits of salvation is you won't be ashamed. I was truly just glad to be saved. And he came in and he said this, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, I've seen you want to post on Facebook. We'll see how long that lasts. And in the nicest way I could ever say this tonight, five years later, it's still lasting and it's better today than it has ever been. This is the greatest life that I can ever live. So they're, they are concentrated. But one of the things on, the, on day number one out of the Christian life, me being saved, I realized there was people watching me. There was people watching the walk that I did, the things that I said. I don't, I don't talk the way I used to talk. If some of you knew me, I'd be embarrassed for anybody in here to know the, what, the things that I used to do. But God did a work in my heart. And that's what He does. He changes a man. So they're, But they are, they are concentrated by what we do not. By what we do not do. They watch your struggles. They watch your battles. And I would say, don't be the reason another, another individual fails. And as I was talking there, there, you have three opportunities when hurt comes, whether it be church hurt, family hurt, whatever it may be. You can, you can sell out to God and say, I, apart from them, I'm not serving them. You can, you can keep on or, you can, or you, can just, you can pull back a little bit or you can burn out. If I quit, who's going to fall in my steps? Who's going to fall behind me and say, well, if it wasn't worth it for him in the five years, it probably isn't worth my time either. Don't be the reason Another doesn't press on. Don't, don't be the reason another one's quit. Don't give them a reason to quit. Quitting's not an option. So we see here a, a co-worker can, uh, they can hear you talk right. They can see you live right. They can see you do right and all these different things. They can hear the radio in your car. They can hear you pray over meals. And they can watch everything that you do. They are involved. They are invested. And they are interested by what we do not do. And the path that we do not trample. They don't care how much you've given. They don't, know how, they don't care how much you've taught uh, Sunday school for so many years. They don't care that you've been to uh, go to church and are faithful. One man said this. He said, the greatest evidence of Christianity is consistency. That's what they're looking for. That man that, that told me that one time, he said, I will see how long that lasts. It's consistency that he's looking for. It's the consistency that makes a change in these, in these sinners' lives. It's the consistency that we must keep up. But in one moment is all it takes to destroy it all and say, if that's, what it, if, that, if that's how they act down there at Mountain Valley, up there at Mountain Valley, I'm not interested in what they got. If that's how they act, I, I don't want that. Well, if he can talk like that and he can live like that, he ain't no better than I am. He says he's a Christian. He says he's, he's, the Lord has saved him. He ain't no different. And God help us all. <coughs> Whatever it may be, a one-night stand, a casual drink. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, it tells us, tells us this in seven, verse number 17. It says, Come ye out from among them. The things we do to please the flesh involving sin, 
give Satan and sinners a leg to stand on against you and really against our Lord and our churches. So we see that uh, we're marked by what we do not do, we're, the places we do not go, the books we do not read, the things we don't watch, the company we do not keep. The man we find here in our text is a practical man. We've looked at his path and his pace and all these different things. But I want you to notice and know that this is a practical man living a real life devoted to the will and to the work of the Lord. The Bible says this, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then it tells us this, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Your hard service? Reasonable. This is a practical man here. People act like the Christian life is out there on cloud nine and you can't, you can't live holy and you can't live riding. And I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, it's, it's hard. And we make it harder than it needs to be. But this is a practical man living a real life. This ain't a dream that he's dreamed up and writing these things, that he's some vision that he's had. This is the truth right here. In six verses it's summed up how to have a blessed life. No one can truly be a recipient of the blessedness until he has first became a recipient of the gift of God. To become a child of God, it is necessary to be born into his family. We know this. But James chapter number 1, verse number 7 tells us this. Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we see the counsel of the ungodly and he does, uh, it does not say save there. And, it, and I noticed this and, I, and I've taught through this at the, there at the church. But it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I've known a whole lot of people that have been, God, that have been saved people that haven't been godly people. There's a great deal. It doesn't taste save lost. There's people that you can go and you can get counsel from and you can say, uh, and it, it's always interesting that people know who to go talk to. You know, if somebody was to say, well, uh, I've got a job opportunity where I'm going to be working every Sunday and every Wednesday, they're probably not going to come to Preacher Nick to ask for that. They're probably going to go talk to their ungodly saved buddy at work and say, well, it's an opportunity and the Lord's opened this door. The Lord ain't opened that door. I know there's an exception, but my, and my daddy's always said this. He said, if your ox is in the ditch every, uh, every, every time the church doors open, you probably need a new ox. There's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> uh, but a man, when a man needs advice on his car, he goes to an auto mechanic. When a man needs a medical advice, advice he he goes to a good doctor. When a man's building a home, he goes to an architect uh, or a contractor or a carpenter or something of this sort. It does not make good sense if a man needs spiritual... It does make good sense if a man uh, needs spiritual advice to go to a spiritual leader. We tend to go to where we know we can get uh, the answers we're looking for. And then it tells us this. Somebody could say, well, be, the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. I heard this from a man at work one day, and he said, well, that's, he had two childs out of wedlock, and I realize there's people that's made mistakes, and he was a lost man, but he said, well, that's what the Bible says. I said, well, that ain't what it means. You have to look at it in its context. Uh, we, that, somebody could try to justify, justify fornication with this. The ungodly can justify. I didn't say the unsaved. I said the ungodly can justify a multitude of sins, taking things out of context. Context is everything. Jerry Harold Smith, he used to go around and preach in this. He, he said it probably thousands of times. 
But he says in one portion of Scripture, the Bible says Judas hung himself, hanged himself. And then in another portion of Scripture, it says go and do likewise. And then a, another portion of Scripture says what thou doest, do quickly. Does that justify that action? Absolutely not. It context is everything. And that's why it's important to take uh, counsel from godly people and the right people. Well, we ought to love one another as Christ loved the church. Oh, it's fine that for people and these, uh, the, these people of our day that are uh, same-sex marriage and all that. No, it's not. It's against the Bible. It's an abomination. So not only should we take godly counsel, but we, uh, we, know, we should know who to take it from and all these different things. But it's time in our day. And I think we could preach a whole series on this, but the Lord is going to allow us to say just a few thoughts. It says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. He's ground, it's time we had some men in our day. Grounded, steadfast, unmovable. A mature man, not easily persuaded. That's held to a higher standard. It takes responsibility. He's watched, he's judged, he's seen. Blessed is the man. But a man will provide. These, there's a generation of men in our day or boys, for say, that are getting married and they uh, can't seem to put the needs of their wife uh, above themselves. And they, you know, the Howard Bill coming in, well, I've got to have this new gun and just all these crazy ideas, but a man will provide. Before you even, and I tell the boys this at the church, I've told them several times, uh, but before you ever, and I've got two of them here, with, well, three of them, and two of them, But before we ever think about getting married, we've got to know how to provide. We see this man here in this text. He's a providing man. He says, And he shall buck the tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. A man's wants won't kill him and all these different things. And I don't know why the Lord's having me say some of this stuff. Uh, but if a man can't determine his, the difference in his wants and his needs, he needs to... Uh, just to continue to be a bachelor, amen. But a man will bring forth fruit, and it's not he's not bearing. It's not that bearingness in his life. He will do good, or and he won't bring corruption. Any man can lead a home to destruction or devour. But we see that this man's a providing man, and then we see in verse number 3 that this is a planted man. Thank God he planted me one day. Thank God he planted me on the solid rock, and I have... Uh, and that's what, he's, that's what we need in our day and men and in in homes. But you, get, you better get placed around somewhere where God can feed you and God will lead you in your life. We see that he was planted by the rivers of water. That's what it says in verse number 3. He's getting fed. He placed me where you can get water and, and uh, him flow through us. So we see he's a providing man. He's a planted man. He's a placed man. And then he's producing man. You won't have to stay on a man to produce. It's just his, simply just his nature. We see that he is a uh, persistent man. And we have, uh, I've heard this oftentimes, it's just the same kind every time. It, uh, and there's, he's not hot, he's not cold, he's not mad, he's not sad, he's not happy. He's glad, he's glad. He is just persistent. And I know we have good days and bad days, but persistency is the key for the blessed life is what he's saying here in this text. A man doesn't change due to the condition or circumstances around him. There's an interesting thing it says here in this text in verse number 3. I believe it is. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. 
his leaf also shall not wither. I want you to look outside tonight and you see trees all around and they're uh, this is my favorite time of year and we get to winter time and I get to looking back through pictures and I see the green grass and the trees being full and all this and it kind of depresses me a little bit because this is my favorite time of year. I just like the growth. I don't like everything dying off and being gone. But, a tr- but to have a tree that doesn't wither, a tree that doesn't lose, its, doesn't lose its, its, its leaves every year, you know what that means? And I'll just give it to you the way I guess the Lord gave it to me. He isn't changed by the circumstances around him. He's not blown away by every wind of doctrine. It's, it doesn't matter if it's hot or cold. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. He just, he's just growing. He doesn't die off in one season and have another good season when, uh, when revival comes back around or one season in the year he's doing good. He is just producing. He's planted. He's placed. And he is persistent. He doesn't need to be petted. He doesn't need to be pushed. He doesn't need to be prodded to do the right thing. He just... Though the wind blows, he just grows. He's persistent. This man not only lives right, but he walks right. He acts right. He's a hard worker. Whatsoever he doeth, not whatsoever he's giveth. He's trying. He gives it his all for the Lord and for his family. Then we see this man's ground. He's not looking for someone to come and move him. He's placed where he is planted. There's people that they will get mad at this church and they'll, they'll be here for a year and a half and they'll go to somewhere else and it'll all be good and the preacher will be the best preacher they've ever heard and then six months later, well, I'm really not getting fed by your preaching anymore. I'm going to go find somewhere else. A man will find some consistency and he'll be persistent in his walk. So we see that this man is a godly man. He's not unmoved. He's not blown away by every doctrine. He's not tossed to and fro while, the other, while everybody else is moving. He's standing his ground and holding his position even when it's hard. So we see that he is not interested in the trends and moves of our day. He is simply unmovable. He does not care what everybody else is doing. So the path he looks, the the practicality of it, he's a provider, he's providing, he's persistent. But the godly man, and I'll end with this, and we'll give the invitation, Brother J.D., you can come do this. The godless man, he is driven in verse number 4. He's doomed in verse number 5. And then he's damned in verse number 6. We have one life to live. And I was thinking about this today even coming up the road. You know, as I was a, when I was one of these kids their age, somebody, I remember my dad had his 40th birthday. And I used to think, man, he's old. And then I seen today somebody had their 25th birthday or something like that. And I'm just like, before I know it, I'll be, that's where I'll be. I'll be 25 years old just in a few years. And those ages, they don't seem so, somebody 40 years old really don't seem that old no more. And before I know it, I'll be 30 years, you know what I'm saying? It'll come before I know it. And then I'll be 40 and I'll be 50. This life that we are living, the Bible says it's but a vapor. It's all going to, it is coming to an end faster than we realize. Somebody said that as a, uh, I seen this picture just, I, I believe it was even today actually. It said that as a, he was talking about spending time with your kids, and it said you only have 18 summers with your kids. And I would have used to think, man, 18 years, that's forever off. But the truth of the matter is it ain't that far. The life that we are living will soon be over. The majority of the people in here are probably, what, all under 25, 26? We'll be, we'll be, the, we'll be the old people in the church before we know it. You have one shot to do it and one life to live. If I could encourage you anything, it would be this. Stick with us. Stick with me. You pray for me, and I'll pray for you. Stay with the Lord. 
maintain. Maintain, maintain, maintain. Maintain your testimony. Maintain your Christian walk. I ain't doing it for a crowd. I ain't doing it for a group of people. I'm doing it for the Lord. And that's what matters. Amen.